Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. We have got a great show for you today. We're going to cover a lot of ground. You know, this weather continually changing. It's going to be changing conditions and whether you should be open water fishing or ice fishing or getting ready for turkey hunting, we're going to talk about all those things. And if you're interested in the controversy surrounding the Wolf uh, project that passed on a ballot issue earlier, uh, late last year, we're going to address that too. Parks and Wildlife is going to come on and talk about what the status of that is. And at the end of the second hour, we're not quite the end, in the second hour, Chad LaChance is going to come on and give us another cooking session on blackening fish and game. I'm excited about that because I love blackened fish. So we got a lot to cover today. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to enjoy it. A lot of changing conditions. We're going to help you get outdoors and really have a good time. So let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes is Kirk Bean. Good morning, Kirk. Good morning, Terry. Uh, beautiful day down here, a little breezy. What's it like up in Estes Park today? It's actually about 45 degrees this morning. It's really warm. Not that windy. You know, and we've got some pretty good warm weather, and I know we've been talking a lot of ice fishing on the show. A couple weeks ago we did some fly fishing, but um, there's been warm weather, and we've got some great tailwaters. You fish one of them, the Big Thompson, on a regular basis. There really is no reason to put your fly rods away in the winter, is there? No, no, it's it's good fishing right now. Yeah, so what's going on in the Big Thompson? Kind of bring us up to speed. Um, it's uh, fishing good right below the dam. We got probably got about three miles of open water right now, and the fish are hitting on little tiny midges. Okay, is there any open water further down, or when you get closer to town, or is most of it up in the tailwater section of by the dam? Mostly up in the tailwater. Um, as you get down towards Loveland, um, kind of near Drake, there's a few open spots down there that I've that we've been fishing out too. Now I know you fish both public and private water along the Big Thompson. Are you uh, are you seeing success with anglers both on the public and the private water? Yeah, both areas are fishing good right now. Um, it's mostly the public water that's fishing better right now, just because it's it's in the open water area. And what kind of techniques are you using when you fish that water? Uh, I always like to use just like a, a like a tungsten pheasant tail for all my weight as my lead fly, and then I trail it with really tiny midges like a jujubee, jujubatus, um, famous amos, little bright midges um, about a size 24 or smaller, below like a size 16 pheasant tail. Now, people who don't haven't fished tailwaters before, folks, the reason a tailwater stays open on a bottom draining dam or a bottom flow dam like Estes is, is because the the colder water actually floats up to the top. So you 40 degrees is the heaviest water. So typically, you're going to get water close to 40 degrees coming out of the bottom of those dams. So you get you get cool water conditions. You don't get totally cold water conditions. And on warm, sunny days, that extends that water. On cold days, of course, the water cools quickly, and then that's why you form ice downriver. But you and I have fished that Big Thompson in the dead cold middle of winter, and we've had some great success, haven't we, Kirk? Yeah, the fish kind of pot up in big big groups, and you find one of those groups of a whole bunch of fish together, you can catch them for 
quite a while. I remember one time you and I, we were filming a television show. And by the way, you can see this on my YouTube channel if you want to go there, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But you and I were, were filming that TV show, and we were in a small section of the river. And I, uh, you, we found one of those pools, those deeper pools. And I don't know how many fish, if there was 20, 50, 100. But we could have stood in that spot and never moved all day because there were so many fish that catching one didn't even spook it. We ended up moving and found some other fish because we wanted some different shot angles and to show some different presentations. But that's pretty common, like you mentioned, isn't it, to get those fish bunched up in those deeper pools. It is, yeah. And they don't seem to spook as much as they do in the summertime. So they just kind of go back to the bottom, and you just put your line back in there, and they bite again. Now, so do you... You, I know you mentioned you you kind of went kind of in passing that you don't put a weight on when you fish midges this time of the year. You like to keep your presentation as natural as can be. So you use uh, a tungsten weighted fly as your weight. Do you still only use two flies or do you use three sometimes? How do you approach that? I'll go up to three sometimes, but generally just two. Uh, <clears throat> use one heavier fly. That way it has a straight down from your indicator. Um line and then when the fish bite you your indicator is more sensitive if you have that extra weight in there it can add a little bend in the line and it takes a little quicker to takes it a little longer to tighten up and i know for your your heavier fly you might use something like a size 18 but for your your other fly maybe you go down to a 22 this time of the year or something you know i can't even tie on a 22 kirk i can't see the whole eyelet in the, in the hook <laughs> right you got to go small right now so you got to use at least 6x tippet to get it through the eye that's the hardest part getting it through the eye for sure yeah it really is it really is so you know typically even though we're talking about the water being warmer coming out of the dam because the, we're not getting a lot of snow melt we're also not getting a lot of flows you have to be very cautious and technical when you approach these areas because of the lower flows? You really don't. Um, the fish seem to just, they'll spook when you first get there, but then they'll just kind of go back to their spot that they hang out in, in uh, wintertime. And I almost ra- would rather spook the hole at first, let them get used to me, and then just start fishing it, and then they'll go right back into it in about 15 minutes. All right, that that sounds you know, and you fish right in those those holes, right? You probably because they're not that active, stay away from some of the the riffles and things like that. Yeah, there's not many fish in the shallow stuff. They're just be in the the current coming into the deeper holes, um, and you kind of you kind of want to look around and see if you can spot fish before you fish anything. Just don't fish anything unless you can spot some fish, and so then you know there's a pot of fish there. What about, are you seeing mostly rainbows on the Big Thompson, or are you seeing some browns, too? It'd be, I'd say, about 70% rainbows, 30% browns. But you get some big browns. Wasn't there a large brown just caught there recently? Yeah, there was a a 30-inch brown caught uh, earlier in this month. Several different people have caught it. Yeah, so it's there. It's been released, so it's there. It's just, you know, we do, um, fortunately, the... Big Thompson wasn't as affected by whirling disease, and the river, the rainbows stayed pretty good until the flood, and then there's been a recovery because of the nature of that river. And the browns never have been as common like they are in the pooter. But, boy, every now and then you just hear about these giant browns. It's hard, even downriver, it's kind of hard to imagine that some of these big fish survive in those shallow waters and never get harvested, isn't it? It is. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's just it's just a great uh, it's a just 
wonderful waters to fish. You know, I know that it's probably frozen. We talked about it downstream, but the Big Thompsons, worth mentioning what happened after the flood. They've really, really rebuilt that river, haven't they? They have. They put a lot of good fish structure in after the flood, and um, I'd say it's better than it ever was. Now, for a while, there was just the fish in the north, uh, up an upper part of the river, right after the flood, and it was it was just packed with fish. During last the last year, let's say during the summer and fall and spring, have you had an opportunity to fish up and down the river? And is the fishing starting to really get good through the length of the river? It is the the lower half is almost better now than the upper half. So, uh, at least with fish population wise, I'd say it's all pretty close to the same. About. 5,000 fish per mile, I would say, throughout the whole river. Yeah, and, of course, you uh, you guide on the Big Thompson, and when the weather's right, you also guide on up in Rocky Mountain National Park, and you do float trips on the Colorado River. We'll tell people more about your guide trips and how they can book them in, in, in uh, just, just a bit. But did you see a big increase in the number of anglers out over the last year? We saw a lot of people going outdoors because of covid have you seen that up at the park and up and down the river? For sure, yeah, a lot more people into the outdoors, which is a good thing. So, I, I remember you telling me earlier in the week we were talking, and that I asked you whether it's better fishing on the cold days in the winter or the warm days, and you said you like the cold days because it, there's not there's less people out there. Is that right? I do. I like the cold days. I get get my choice holes to go fishing in for sure. Yeah, and you and I, when we film, just so folks know, if you do go look at that video on my YouTube channel that Kirk and I filmed, it had been, we had planned on doing it a week earlier, and it got down to 20 below, and that was a little too cold to run camera equipment and things like that. We didn't want to do that. So we went a week later, and it wasn't warm, warm. It might have been 20 above. The weather turned around. It was a beautiful winter Colorado day, but it was cold. But I, I lost track of the number of fish we caught that day, Kirk. We just, it was phenomenal. Yeah, that was a pretty darn good day. Yeah, it, it sure was. Tell people a little bit about your shop and what you have to offer. Uh, we're on Main Street here in Estes Park, uh, right across from Bond Park, or right next to the Dairy Queen. Um, we, we do uh, snowshoe trips in the wintertime, fly fishing trips. In the summertime, we do overnight backpack, overnight llama pack, um, and uh, we fly fish up in the park. we got lots of different private waters that we can take you to, and then also can take you just down below the dam on the Thompson. Now, how far in advance do people have to book with you if they want to take a trip? I know in the summer you cater to a lot of tourists, so you're pretty available. Is that true through the winter, too? We are. We try to make sure we're always available at least one day out. So if you give us one day's notice, we can get you in. Yeah, and it's just phenomenal. And you guys do a great job of teaching um, and getting people started. And I'm a big advocate of people beginning to fly fish, um, going with a guide. In fact, in another segment in the second hour, we're going to talk about getting started fly fishing and what you have to buy. But I'm a big advocate of fishing a couple times with a guide, maybe even before you buy your own fly rods and things, so you really get a feel. It really helps, doesn't it? It does. That way you can kind of test out what you like and figure out what how, how you like to cast and what kind of rod to get. Yeah, it's it's never helped me cast, but somehow I get it out there and catch a fish. So you do pretty good. <laughs> we have we we have a good time. But I, you know, folks, if you want to see more about Kirk's, um, on my YouTube channel, I mentioned best fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We do a horseback trip up to some alpine lakes, which was phenomenal. 
We take some llamas up and do a pack-in trip with llamas up in the park, and we do um, we do a, a big Thompson winter trip, and, and then we also do one down below in the big Thompson in a pool that you and I ran into some fish day below those falls. That was another phenomenal day, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. That was Waterdale Ranch down there. That was that was low water, and it fished really good that day. And we found it, even though we were trying some small presentations or different things to match the hatch, we actually ended up having our best luck on streamers. Remember that? I do. You figured that out that day. Yeah, dumb luck. Even an even a blind squirrel <laughs> finds an acorn, right? You know. But it really was great, great fishing. Uh, Kirk, tell people, and you know, the other thing, people don't have to book a guide trip with you to come and get information about how the rivers are fishing. You guys are there to help them and, you know, point out some flies, some equipment, but lots of great information. Tell people how they get a hold of you. Uh, Our number is 970-577-0790, or you just come into the shop or visit our website, which is kirksflyshop.com. All right, my friend, always a wealth of great information. And, folks, don't put your fly rods away. There's lots of places like the Big Thompson that you can get out and just have a great time fishing. Kirk, you and I have to get back on the water one day soon. Yeah, we got to get out there. We keep saying that. Time to go. I know. It's time to get it done. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Kirk Bean from Kirk's Fly Shop. Tell you what, folks, um, I didn't want to make a gush over him while he was on the air because I didn't want to embarrass him, but you will not fish with a nicer person or learn more from a more knowledgeable angler than you will with with Kirk. He's just a tremendous, tremendous uh, person and his whole crew to spend time in the water with. And really go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and look at some of these Big Thompson, Pooter. But the Big Thompson is a great example of tailwater fishing at this time of the year. And there's no reason for people who are, you're not an ice fisherman, maybe you're not even into tying flies, or you're, you've tied a bunch of flies and you want to get out there. It's, it's really, um, really, there's, there's some great, great fishing out there. Go and take it. Take advantage of that and look at those before you go or stop with Kirk or even book a trip and understand when those fish bunch up in those uh, those those deeper holes, the fishing can be just unbelievably good. It's just really tremendous. And it just, you know, there's no reason with the clothing we have now and the equipment we have now not to spend time in the outdoors. Now, a little later in the second hour, we're going to talk about picking out beginning fly gear and advanced gear and the differences and what you might look for. We're going to talk about some fly fishing supplies. Also during the course of the show today, I'm going to talk about the fact that we saw last year the supply chain for outdoor goods get really hammered. First, there was a shutdown in production because everybody was worried about what COVID might do. And then there was a real lag in trying to catch up and refill the, the supply chain, the product lines. And we, I think we're going to see a holdover of some of that this year because we have so many new people in the outdoors. I think you'll be able to get equipment, but I think you're going to want to start a little earlier. You're going to want to say, hey, I want that new rod. I want that new shotgun. I want whatever it is. And start looking earlier because if you go wait till the last minute, it may be difficult. We're going to talk more about that, too, later this year. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to um, the folks from Colorado Parks and Wildlife and go over a bunch of issues and things that they've faced with this uh, 
increase in public demand for outdoor resources, and also talk a little bit about the Wolf Initiative that was passed here in Colorado. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public for 65 years. We're going to talk over some issues at Parks and Wildlife at 9.30, where they will be joined, talk about the wolves and some other things. But right now, we're going to take you up to one of my favorite places, to um, uh, State Forest State Park, which I think is just one of my favorite places to go up and recreate. And joining us from up there is Alina Schaefer. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know what? I'm not all kidding aside. It is your park is one of my favorite places to go and and to do some ice fishing, to do some wildlife watching, to just go for a, an outing where we're just going to, you know, just look around and enjoy the trails. Uh, the park's a little different, though. Before we even get started, kind of describe State Forest State Park and how it's set up. So it is a very unique park. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's 71,000 acres, and we have quite a bit of backcountry. We have over 100 miles of motorized and non-motorized trails only six miles of them are groomed for cross-country skiing and snowshoeing and everything like that there's some trails that you can get some great views from and then of course there's the wildlife watching and our claim to fame is the moose around here at state forest state park Oh, no doubt about it. I've seen so many moose up there. It's such a majestic thing. We'll talk a little more about viewing those first, but what about activities? Now, before we even get to just the winter activities, you have some. Now, we're going to talk about an adventure have coming up at North Michigan Reservoir, and then you have the Rangers Lakes up there, but you have some hiking lakes too, I believe, on the property, don't you? We do. Um, I would consider it the backcountry. We have Clear Lake and Ruby Jewel Lake. And then we also have American Lake and Lake Agnes. So you can absolutely take a day hike to one of those lakes and fish or just enjoy your time in the backcountry. No, it's really a beautiful place. And fortunately, too, we were kind of concerned this last year when the fires came through. I know that you guys were evacuated, but fortunately the park was left unscathed. That's the case, right, that the park did escape any damage from the fires. Right. That's a very popular question when people are trying to reserve their campsite for the summer. Is um, The question is, well, did the fires affect you guys? Uh, there were roads closed, but none of the fire actually came into the park, which we lucked out. So all of the camping will be completely normal in the activities throughout the summer um, with anything that would be associated with the fires. Now, speaking of camping, you're open year-round for camping, right? Absolutely. So we have six cabins that are available for rent throughout the year. And we also have three campsites that are open for the winter. We just don't need any more than that. So people do call and they're like, everything looks like it's closed. No, it's open. So um, I just help them through that. Well, you know, on those cabins, we're going to talk in a little bit about an ice fishing event you've got coming up on uh, North Michigan Reservoir. Those cabins are right on the lake. I mean, you can walk right out on the lake from those cabins and fish winter or summer. They're just, they're in a beautiful setting. And uh, in fact, I've done some videos some, on my YouTube channel up at North Michigan, and I show those cabins. But 
they're just tremendously located. They're in great, great locations. Let's get back to the trails for a minute before we talk about the ice fishing. The uh, you said you've got, I think you said over, I've, I think over 100 miles of trails, both motorized and non-motorized. Let's start with the motorized first. Do you get a lot of snowmobilers and ATVers up there? We do. So this year we don't have quite as much snow as we typically would, but it's more, anyone is more than welcome to come and snowmobile on our trails. Of course, there's more snow in the higher elevations, so that's what you would want to look for if you're snowmobiling this time of year. And then and then motorized trails. Um, Go ahead. There's just so many options. Yeah, and the non-motorized trails, I mean, you could, I assume some of them you could just come up and go for a hike, even winter or summer. But this time of the year, uh, you probably see a lot of snowshoe and cross-country people using those. And you said you have how many miles of groomed trails? Only six miles of groomed trails. So that would be accessed right from our visitor center. But on some other popular hiking trails for snowshoeing or cross-country skiing would be the Lake Agnes Trail or Michigan Ditch. Now, you used to have these organized events where you'd have guided hikes and you'd supply hot chocolate and things. Now, Dave, you've had to change that a little bit because of COVID, but you're still doing hikes. What what have you got coming up in hikes? So we have two hikes coming up. One is tonight at 7.30, and then again on February 27th. They're both a full moon hike, so you can bring the family out and we have like the lighted trails and you can bring a flashlight if you'd like but it's just enjoy nature in the evening for something to do in the dead of winter but um and you can go a half mile or all six miles on the gold loop and it's groomed so it's groomed and lit so that people really just need to show up in their warm clothing if they want and they can go for a hike and and then, of course, you have all the others. And there's one tonight, you said, of those at 7.30 and one. And what's the other date, February 27th? Correct. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, let's talk about the ice fishing. You guys have a great ice fishing lake on North Michigan Reservoir. I've fished it many times. It's a great place to come up if you just want to catch fish. You will get an occasional bigger fish there, too, holdover. But usually it's an action-type lake where there's lots going on. And you guys want to help people get started ice fishing. So tell me what you're going to offer. We do. So I think fishing is a great hobby. It's easy to pick up if you're new to it, um, whether it's ice fishing or fly fishing or, you know, just casting, whatever it is. Um, So we have about 10 inches of ice on North Michigan right now. And the fishermen that have been out there said the fish are biting. We, for the ice fishing clinic, we will have the equipment to let people borrow to try this new hobby. And we have augers and we have rangers out there for help and just tips and tricks. So it'll be a fun day. It's from 10 to 2 on February 13th. You could just so bring February- warm clothes and a chair. Right. So on February 13th, you need to know nothing about ice fishing or not even have any equipment. You can come out there from 10 to 2. The rangers will be out there. They'll give you tips, lend you equipment, and they'll even drill the holes for you. So what a great way to get introduced. And for those of you that are a little skittish, like the front range ice has been a little off and on. It's been a little scary at times. Go up to a lake like North Michigan where there's 10 inches of ice and get out there. You're going to feel safe and comfortable, and you will be safe. And just dress warm and 
probably a pretty good chance you'll catch some fish up there. Yeah, and another great thing about Lake Mi- or North Michigan is it's so easy to access into the park because it's maintained during the winter, and you park right by the North Michigan Dam, and you just walk right on to the lake. Yeah, you drive right up to the lake, and there's bathrooms there. This would be a great place to bring some kids up and get them interested in ice fishing. It'd be a great a great opportunity. So this is February 13th, and it's from 10 to 2, right? That's correct. All right, Alina, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. All right, great facility up there. Folks, if you've never uh, fished at uh, North Michigan, there's another one that's on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. I actually went out there early ice and showed you how to use a spud bar to check the ice. Didn't even take my shelter out, just uh, some warm clothing, and made a couple holes in the ice and just caught one fish after another and using some different types of baits, which you'll see in that video. I also use that video as a demonstration of how to fish with sonar through the ice and and actually brought a recorded chip back to my office and showed the lures going down and the fish going up and reacting to the lure. So it's pretty educational if you want to check that out. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to Parks and Wildlife about the, the wolf initiative that's caused a lot of people have a lot of questions they want answered and a few other things you know parks and wildlife has been inundated with new people getting into the outdoors want to kind of see how they how that's affected their resources and how they're responding so all that and so much more coming up on terry wickstrom outdoors presented by jack's outdoor gear on 104.3 the fan Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They have locations up and down the Front Range in Broomfield, Lafayette, Loveland, Fort Collins, and even in Cheyenne. And uh, if you've never been into one of their stores, by the way, if you go into the stores in Loveland this weekend, you're going to see a T-Mobile truck out there. And if you go into that to look at T-Mobile, one of our partners in the outdoors, uh, you'll see a cutout of me so you can get to take a picture of it and pretend like I was there. Yeah, well, anyway, go anyway. Hey, let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Rebecca Farrell, who is the manager of public information. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great, and I'm so glad to have you come on. You know, there's so, the outdoors exploded last year. Um, resources got stretched, and people were out there, and We've all worked so hard, you included myself in our careers, to get people outdoors. Uh, we didn't know they'd all come at once, and now, <laughs> now we're trying to manage that. And along with that, I think the stakeholders, the people who pay for the outdoor recreation, whether that's in fishing and hunting licenses, whether that's in park fees, are, are getting more and more interested in how's the money being spent, what are we doing, what's going on with resources, and you can't. You decided to come on, and we kind of just talk about a few of these things. And I think the first one you said that pops up with most people is everybody's aware of this agenda to reintroduce wolves in Colorado. Wolves in Colorado. What um, is there been decisions made? Is there information we can pass on? What's the status of that? Sure. So um, it is obviously a, a very hot topic amongst Coloradans and, and even some folks who come to, to visit, play, hunt, all of those things. And so um, we are extremely early in our planning process. 
Um, and I know, you know, folks are, are very interested in nitty gritty details, but I want to make people aware that, that we're early in the process. And so where we stand right now is that um, our Parks and Wildlife Commission met a few weeks back in January um, and approved our plan for creating those nitty gritty details. And so what that means for, for folks who want to hear more about what that sounds like, what that might look like, um, we post all of that information on our website. And so if you go to our commission section, um, you can go ahead, you can find the YouTube recordings of those meetings. You can see what the agendas look like. You can find out how to file public comment for a future meeting. And so, you know, what that plan really where we stand is that we've gotten approval to move forward on developing the process. Um, that will be finalized and, and presented to the commission for an approval in March, um, but that doesn't mean we're holding until March. And so we'll be working to um, conduct some education and listening tours. Um, the, the ballot really made clear that there needs to be a, a solid um, educational process as part of this reintroduction. And so um, we'll be working to um, continue educating through our website, um, through uh, our social media channels. You can certainly sign up for our e-newsletters. I would anticipate that that would be a hot topic across most of our e-newsletters. Um, and then really starting to put together things like our technical working groups and our stakeholder engagement groups. And what those are going to do is really help um, bring together other management entities to so some of our federal partners speaking with states who've gone through this process on the technical side as well as uh, trying to put together a collaborative group with broad representation of interest from around the state in the topic to help us put together and, and finalize some of the recommendations of, of what those nitty-gritty details will look like. Now, and, and I think then to sum that up a little bit is the fact that no wolves have been introduced yet, and you're still really in a planning stage how to do this properly and how to manage it. Um, do we have any kind of a timeline, or is it just too early when you think would be the earliest you would actually start the introduction? So those are details that we will be working out. Um, the ballot, and certainly our director, Director Penslow, has committed that you know we want to be efficient and we want to be flexible as we move through this process. Um, but we are absolutely committed to following you know, what we've been directed by the voters to do, which is to have wolves in Colorado no later than December 31st of 2023. Okay. Um, you mentioned you're working with a lot of partners. I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. With the use of the resources that's been really stretched over the last year, now, Parks and Wildlife has always partnered with a lot of other entities, but you've probably had to rely on those partnerships and create new ones probably more than ever over the last year. That's absolutely true. And, you know, we, we see that, um, you know, in talking again with some of our federal partners, obviously with other states and other of our, you know, local and regional um, open spaces and, and recreation areas that we all saw that increase in visitation. And, you know, we're working together to, to create educational campaigns around Leave No Trace and how to recreate responsibly. And that's carried over into the winter, too, with backcountry safety. But um, Governor Polis, back in uh, the fall, issued an executive order to create additional regional partnerships in the state um, around uh, the kind of collaboration we have to do around recreation and conservation to ensure that our lands and waters and wildlife continue to thrive for, for generations to come. And so I know that sounds like a lot of government speak, but what that means is that we really want to ensure that groups like our statewide uh, co-op that has uh, recreational groups, 
hunting groups, other conservation groups get together, but to do so at a more regional level and kind of bring it down to the ground so that, you know, here I, I live on the, the, in the foothills of, of Golden. And so um, we're really looking to what's happening here in the ground on, you know, either Jefferson County open spaces um, that impact wildlife through CPW, um, impact the, the community and the neighborhood and working together to kind of get that local sense of how do we manage that need for conservation along with the growth in population, the desire for outdoor recreation, and find some of those local ideas and ways to participate um, that, that really have an impact on you, where you live, work, and play. Now, if some people are interested in being part of this, they understand that we have, you know, we're going to always face you know, decisions in our outdoor resources. What are some of the good ways for people to get involved? Would the Sportsman's Roundtable be part of those, or do you have other recommendations? Absolutely. So as this particular regional partnership moves forward, we will you know, absolutely be putting out press releases, coming and talking to folks like you so that people have an idea of how they can participate at that regional level. Um, but certainly one established way to do that is to participate in our regional sportspersons caucuses. Um, we do have those in every region. They usually will meet a few times a year. Um, those meetings are public, and so you can go, and again, it, it's a great way to kind of talk about, particularly with the sportspersons caucuses, you know, things that are affecting your hunting experience, things that, that you may have concerns about with native fish in your, your area, um, and really kind of have some of that one-on-one -on -one with the regional managers and regional staff to, to voice your concerns, ask questions, and, and really be a part of management as those ideas, those conversations move up to our statewide sportspersons uh, roundtable. You know, we saw this huge, uh, I don't know if you can say influx into the outdoors, is that an oxymoron? I don't know, but um, obviously we saw an explosion of outdoor recreation. It's carried right through the winter. Do you have any idea what kind of increase in use of our resources we saw, whether it's parks or fishing licenses? Do you have any kind of numbers or is that or haven't you tabulated those yet? We have, and of course I can only kind of speak to the things that we manage. I'm sure you could uh, speak with land managers and recreation managers around the state and hear similar things. Um, but our state park attendance this year um, was nearly 20 million attendees. And so that was an increase of nearly 30% of last year's pretty astronomical numbers of over 15 million. So um, we, we definitely saw a huge increase in, in visitation on our properties. Um, and then from fishing licenses, that was a really interesting thing that we saw this year. As people were kind of locked down in the pandemic, as people kind of were, were looking to either find new hobbies or maybe re-spark an, an old one, um, we saw an over 20% increase in fishing license sales as well. And that includes everything from our daily passes, you know, our daily licenses to our annuals. And so we saw about a 20 plus percent increase across the board when it came to fishing licenses as well. So um, we're excited that that was a, an opportunity people looked to uh, when they were looking for some of that solace and, and ways to kind of escape some of the news cycles and, and the daily grind of, of being stuck inside and so um, what we're excited to do is to figure out for those people who are starting to re-engage um, you know how can we make sure that in 2021 and beyond not only are they continuing to purchase licenses and continuing to enjoy the fishing opportunities here in the state but again kind of reinforcing some of those we're here to have fun we're here to recreate we're here to have sporting opportunities but the conservation opportunities are important and they're for all of us to ensure that we're carrying forward as well. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, we only have about a minute left. I have to let you go, but we're coming up like 
uh, this week the turkey draw is coming up, and then soon we'll see the big game draws, and then there's going to be camping reservations. Are you able to staff your resources enough to handle these? I mean, it's such an influx. Are you guys doing okay? Anything people should know there? I think this year we'll we'll at least be able to to really fall on the strength of our volunteer corps a lot more than we were last year. So we feel very confident that between the the staff that we have and and certainly the volunteers who, with some of this, uh, you know, other stuff that's going on in the world being a little bit slowed down and and knowing more about mask wearing and distancing and and how to make that work, um, that we'll be able to welcome a lot more of our volunteers and, and former staff who come in to help us out a lot more this year than we were last year. And so I would expect, you know, I was actually hiking over at Staunton uh, last weekend and ran into to several volunteers along the way who were there to, to help us out, make sure that we had what we needed, make sure that folks were, were keeping distance and still having an amazing time and folks were out on Davis Ponds fishing. And so it was, it was fantastic. And so I don't want people to think that because we had a huge impact in uh, visitation, we saw such a, a big number that they won't still be able to have an absolutely fantastic experience at our parks and, and, and in our partner uh, properties as well. All right. We are out of time, Rebecca, but thank you for you know bringing that all. I think it's a lot of great food for thought for people, and we want these people in the outdoors. We want them having fun. We want responsible recreation. We also want them to know that there are a lot of resources out there to help them get started, do it right, and really have a good time. I mean, all you have to do is peruse Parks and Wildlife's website, and the information is just overwhelming. Thank you for joining us in everything you do. Thank you, Terry. Yep, you bet. That's Rebecca Farrell from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Great information. Just give you a feel. By the way, on the I forgot to bring this up with Rebecca, but she knows in February 13th, the director is going to join us for a couple sessions on the air, and we're going to talk about some of these same things and how he's what challenges he's seen in dealing with these. So that might be an interesting one to tune in on December. December 13th, the director of Parks and Wildlife will be on with us. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to North Park and talk some ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Growing up and still having fun, aren't we all? It, uh, maybe I'll never grow up. I sure enjoy the outdoors, and Jack's is a great place to get your gear. Let's go to the phones and head up to the North Park area where Doug Gibb is going to join us and we're going to talk to him about an upcoming tournament and the ice fishing conditions. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Terry. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Uh, You know, live in Colorado. There's so much to do in the outdoors and you live in one of the more beautiful parts of the state. You're up at Lake John Resort. You have a tournament coming up. I want to talk to you about current ice fishing, but first let's talk about the tournament. Tell us about the Delaney. I believe it's the Delaney Ice Fishing Tournament coming up. Correct. North, south, and east, Delaney Butte Lakes on February 6th. Uh, it, uh, the actual competition starts at 6 a.m. and goes till 5 p.m. Uh, you can register uh, here at Lake John the day before on Friday the 5th or down at the Mad Moose in Walden, Colorado. Um, and you can register online. We're, we're hoping most people will do that. We've, we've got a, a new streamlined website uh, or link, I should say, with the northparkareachamber.com. And if you go to that and look under calendar and look under the Delaney Butte, uh, you should find the link there, and you can get all the waivers and the rules and everything and don't have to mess around with, uh, 
with manual registration. And how much is it to fish in the tournament? It is $40 for adults, 15 for kids, and we have a $1,000 grand prize for the adults and a $100 for the youth. And then we have hourly prizes. Go ahead. Oh, and then I was just going to say we have hourly uh, prizes, uh, $75 an hour for the largest fish, plus we have a drawing and a 50-50 drawing as well. We have prizes and, and money. And kids can register as adults if they want to be eligible for the big prize, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and then you're giving them a lot. And it's a great time to get out and uh, experience it. What about how does the logistics handle? Do they, you know, obviously on the Delaney's, there's no live bait. You have to use artificials. What about getting your fish weighed or measured? How do you handle that? Well, we are going to put our measuring stations right at the uh, right by the docks, uh, one at north and one at south, uh, closest to east, and we're going to have a catch-and-release hole so that uh, as soon as people bring their fish for measuring, we can get them released straight away so that we minimize uh, mortality rates. That sounds awesome. And that's next weekend, right, on the 6th, or this week. That is correct. Oh, yeah, next, next weekend. We had five inches of snow last week, and that snow is still around. It's blown about a bit, but the roads are still open, uh, icy in places. But uh, you'll you'll be able to get to the lake uh, without a problem, Lake John let's or talk, the Delaney Butte. Let's talk about the fishing up there. Now, we're getting to that time of the year, especially the lakes like Lake John that are a little shallower, that have substantial weed growth, where the oxygen levels go down a little bit. The early bite tends to slow down. The fish have been pressured. And you have to be a little more technical, maybe a little bit more understanding, but the fish are still there. But then as we get later into spring, we'll talk about that later in the year, the bite will take off again. But that doesn't mean there can't be great fishing or big fish caught. What are you seeing on, let's start out with the Delaney's since that's where the tournament is. Well, the Delaney's are actually producing uh, pretty consistent fish between 14 and 22 inch. Uh, And, you know, I've been getting reports of, anywhere between 10 and 20 uh, fish an hour being caught. So it's it's quite steady. Here at Lake John, it's been a bit slower. You know, we did have that tournament with almost 475 people, so uh, it did put some pressure on the lake, but people are still catching, uh, you know, 18 to 24 inches, you know, every other day. Yeah, and that Lake John is notorious for growing big fish, and I believe you're probably going to have to take an approach on Lake John, and this may happen to the Delaney's after the tournament, that when fish get pressured a little bit, the oxygen levels are a little lower, you have to take and change your approach. Any tactics on any of the particular lakes that you've seen that have been extremely effective? Yeah, well, one for sure is uh, shallow is better. Stay, stay by the shore. Four to eight feet of water is where the fish are really uh, feeding. And uh, basically being patient and, you know, not not jigging it too hard because I've noticed a lot of guys that when they're out there jigging, they're, they get impatient. And so just keeping that slow, steady approach uh, seems to win the game. Any particular lures that have been effective more than others? Uh, the dynamic lure, Red Dragon, and the, the glow, the translucent, uh, also from HD uh, Dynamic, have been working really well. Atomic teasers, of course, 
um, leech. Uh, sorry, I've got uh, stripping leeches and crayfish spoons, or crayfish and spoons. Uh, all seem to be working uh, very well. Tell people before we run out of time about the Lake John Resort and what you have to offer. Well, Lake John, we uh, we have four cabins, a suite, a thirty full uh, hookup RV park, and we are literally a stone's throw to the water. Um, we have boats uh, that we rent uh, in the summer, and we have three ice shanties that we rent uh, in the wintertime. Yeah, so you can accommodate people year-round as far as helping them get fish. I know you have tackle, and you have stuff in the store there to help people out. And Those cabins, folks, you literally can almost cast from the cabin to the lake and the open water. It's that close. I've fished it both open water and ice and done extremely, extremely well up there. Um, and, you know, you get a lot of hunters that stay there, too. I was just talking earlier that we're going to be the, the turkey draw comes on this week. Now, the season is until April, but do you have some pretty good turkey hunting around your area? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That goes without saying. And, in fact, we're starting to book up now with uh, with hunters interested in, in pursuing that. Once uh, I think is it this week that the, that the uh, licenses go out? Yeah, the draw the is this. It's this week that, that the lottery goes out. But then there's a lot of over-the-counter licenses for turkey in Colorado, too. So if you don't get a draw, you're not shut out. So tell people how they find you and get a hold of you, Doug. Well, the the best way is to either call us at 970-723-3226, look at our website, lakejohnresort.com. And the easiest way to get here is uh, basically uh, find Walden, Colorado, on the map. And then you just take 18 to 12 to 7, and and we're right there. We're about 18 miles away from the town of Walden. And I believe you have a pretty active Facebook page, too. Is that right? Yeah, over 20,000 people are following us. So it's – and I post uh, on it all the time, giving people updates on fishing conditions. I also put those uh, fishing reports on my website, and, and I send that to CPW and the local paper as well. All right. Thank you, my friend. I enjoy having you on, and I need to get up and fish up there soon. So thanks for coming on and sharing with us. Hey, thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Doug from the Lake John Resort. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and i got a feeling we'll probably talk some more ice fishing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. 